just praise you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, so let's get into the word because we'll see uh, how long it will be. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 4 and we'll start there. Verse, uh, through verse 11 and Phil if you can read through 13 to 20 so Mark chapter 4 and begin at verse 1 and I'll begin and he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land and he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. I'll read verse 12. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Fill verse uh, 13 to 20, please. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How will ye... How will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in them, and so endure but for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution ariseth, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. Thank you. All right. All right. So this is still dealing with the theme of the kingdom of God, and it's, uh, I, I, I guess with this, considering the events that took place uh, last weekend, and you know, I guess it's only fitting that we, we uh, do this. We, you know, we, uh, 
we, we have this parable here of, of the uh, sower, right? And it should be actually parable of the soil, really, because the sower is truly Jesus, right? And we're, we're extensions of Jesus, right? And the seed that is sown is the Word of God, right? There should be nothing else that should be sown but the Word of God. And uh, it's interesting, looking at, studying this out, we shouldn't come up with a scripture, and when we give a message, we shouldn't just come up with one one verse of scripture, and then that be the, the doctrine of it, right? So even with this uh, this parable here, this parable is not only in Mark chapter four, but it's also in Matthew thirteen and Luke chapter eight for those that are taking notes, right? And, and they all pretty much ninety five percent line up with one another. Just a couple of wording is different, but uh, it's important for us to understand. The significance of this because in the study some people consider this they'll use Matthew 13 and, and, and Mark chapter 4 and try to apply it to finances and, and sowing seed and money but that's not what the scripture is about right it really has nothing to do with money or anything like that but it's about doing the Word of God and some people attribute this to say may say oh okay well the Christians may be in all four categories here or it may be all the world for three to four categories in the last Last category with the 30, uh, 60, and 100 just applies to the Christian. Alright, so keep your finger there and let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We'll come back to those. So Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. I'm going to read verse 17 through 19. Alright. Verse 17, even so, every good tree bringeth forth what? Good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth forth, that bringeth not forth good fruit, is honed down and cast into the fire. So, what is a good tree? So, good tree, good here means something that is useful. Right, so something that is useful, useful, upright, and agreeable. So as Christians, we should be good trees, right? So we shouldn't find ourselves on the corrupt side of things. So what would be the corrupt side? A corrupt, corrupt tree will be something that's rotten, no longer fit for use, unfit for use, worthless, has no value. So basically, a rotten tree, Jesus would say, if you're going to be rotten, I have no use for you. Mm. Right, so truth be told, when we look at it, there's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus Christ. We're either on the Lord's side or we're not. There's, there's, there's no middle ground, no compromise when it comes to Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, when we look at the American church and we look at the history of the American church, how and we still send missionaries overseas and how we get caught up and we look at overseas and we're like, all right, we need to go over there and we need to send some missionaries and some evangelists overseas to share the gospel. Right? And then we'll also look at and we'll say that, you know, they're not financially wealthy and, you know, we need to sow in them. But I'm sure now those same people, whether it be Africa, El Salvador, they're looking at America now and they're sending missionaries over here. Because they're looking at us saying, you know what, this American church, they're not what they used to be. Right? Because... We, what we've come to do is we come to become tolerant of certain things. We've become to water down the message of the gospel because we, we have allowed the world to infiltrate the church. 
right? So the world has infiltrated the church, and now our mindset has become like the world within the church. Now we got to have the grandest things, right? We we have to have we we have to have the church that's on TV. We have to have the church that's on radio. We have to have the church that's big. We have to have the church that has the big movie screens and things like that. Um, even look at the uh, the Christian stations, right? We got the red carpet in the world. You know, TBN will have the red carpet for for their award ceremony, right? So what we've done is we're copying the world, and then we look back and we wonder what is wrong with the church, right? So now we want to grow the church, and we want people to come into the ministry, and then. For the sake of people coming to the ministry, we want to sacrifice certain things. We want to sacrifice of talking in holiness. We want we want to just focus in on love. You know, Jesus loves you, right? It doesn't matter. Just come how you are. Jesus loves you. And that is true. But we watered it down so much that we don't want to offend anybody, right? So we quit talking about holiness. And we can't talk about the kingdom of God because we can't function out of the kingdom of God without living in holiness, right? So when we look, when we get back to the parables of the sower, we're going to see that the kingdom is equal to the word of God, and the word of God is equal to the word, which is Jesus Christ. So you can't teach about the kingdom of God without teaching about Jesus, and you can't teach about Jesus Christ without teaching about the kingdom of God. They are, they're, they're, they're all the same, right there. And, and that's what Jesus was trying to say when he talked about the parable and, and the sower. So, Let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. And you can just take it down in your notes for those taking notes because I'm going to read it from the uh, Passion Translation. So I want you to hear that. Alright, so Matthew chapter 12 beginning at verse 33. You must determine if a tree is good or rotten. You can recognize good trees by their delicious fruit. But if you find rotten fruit, you can be certain that the tree is rotten. The fruit defines the tree. But you who are known as the Pharisees are rotten to the core like venomous snakes. How can your words be good if you are rotten within? For what has been stored up in your hearts will be heard in the overflow of your words. 35. When virtue is stored within, the hearts of good, upright people will produce good fruit. But when evil is hidden within, those who are evil will produce evil fruit. You can be sure of this. When the day of judgment comes, everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. Your very words will be used as evidence, and your words will, be de will declare you either innocent or guilty. Amen. So, again, no middle ground, right? You know, the interesting thing with Jesus is we always, you know, we see that large crowds follow, follow Jesus, right? So how does this parallel to the American church today? When we see large crowds, we welcome them in. And then, like I said, we conform to not offend them, right? We change the music up. We change the message up. But the interesting thing, any way you look in the gospel, whenever large crowds follow Jesus, he got rid of them. How did he get rid of them? By speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. That's right. He got rid of it because it was either he let them know up front, you either going to have to do what? You got to eat of my flesh or drink of my blood. Mm -hmm. Right? That's Let's right. turn to John chapter 6. Yeah. 
John chapter 6. Alright, um, right, I'll start at 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Uh, what I didn't preface is early in this chapter, he had fed 5,000. Right, okay. So the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? Alright, so he knew that this saying here bothered them. How many do how many times have we seen in the church today that we'll say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then we'll change things up for them. No, again, it's either you're on the Lord's side or you're not. Right? We're not, you know, we, we always get up to and we say this saying, Oh, let's win the world for Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. Okay? Because Jesus put it out in front because everybody wasn't going to follow him. And even today, everybody's not going to follow him. Amen. All right, so let's keep going. 62, verse 62. What then if you, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So the words that he's speaking is spirit. You can't understand him with your natural mind. Amen. So we have people trying to, we, you know, we're trying to uh, teach things to the lost and the unsaved where they can't understand it. Right? So we know that Jesus preached the, the gospel of the kingdom and that's what we're supposed to preach. The gospel of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what we find ourselves doing is trying to teach and trying to get ourselves to relate to those who are unsaved. And when we do that, we're watering down the gospel message. Jesus. Verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe. He said, there are some of you who do not believe. Right? We got people in church today that don't believe. Right? But yet, they still go to church over and over and over and over, weekly, daily, and they don't believe. And this is going to tie back into the parable of the soul. Right? For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. He's not just talking about Judas here. He used the word that. We always focus on Judas. But there were many disciples who betrayed him, who walked away. Hmm. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me. No one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. Wait, yeah. But yet we're trying to force feed everybody. Hmm. That's not what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. The word became a stumbling block for people. 
Yes. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Mm. These were his disciples who walked with him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also go away? What does Peter say? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Yes. Amen. 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 So, you know, we, we say things uh, and I'm sure we've all heard this and we probably said it ourselves when, when we see people, we see Christians, especially Christians, right? So, and I put Christians in, in, in uh, quotes because I'm here to tell you, if you're not bearing fruit, you're not a Christian. <clears throat> And we're going to see in the parable of the sower, no matter how much you try to receive the word with gladness, if you're not bearing fruit, you are not saved. Jesus. But church is not going to tell people that. Amen. And then we, we, we allow people to go out and continue to sin over and over and over and over. And then we make excuses for them. And then God forbid somebody die. We're like, oh, they made it in heaven. Hmm. Now, do we truly know? No, we don't know in all cases. But the chances of them making it, based on what we see, if they're not bearing fruit, slim to none. Jesus. And it's like I said all the time, don't be the one to go to church and go to hell. Amen. Because it's happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, so going back to judgment. I haven't finished my point. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, talk about, we talk about, you know, don't judge don't judge this, don't judge that. You know, and we go from Matthew 7, and everybody always talks about that. It's just like I told you, but they don't go to John chapter 7, where we can do a righteous judgment. Amen. All right? All right. If you're if you calling yourself a Christian, and you're not walking the walk, then we can do a righteous judgment. And righteous judgment is judging by the Word of God, that plumb line, Amen. which is the Word of God, the standard. That's what we're supposed to be living by. Mm -hmm. we're, we're supposed to be bearing fruit. And it, we're either bearing good fruit or we're bearing evil fruit. Mm. There's no middle ground. Jesus. Let's go to Galatians 5. got the teaching on the works of the flesh. We did the fruit of the spirit, so we're going we're gonna to do the works of the flesh, not today. But we're going to go for one definition that, that that shows that some things that are taking place in the body with some of these mega pastors are not right. It's the working of the flesh. Alright. Once you get to the original work. Alright. So, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Some translations say they are obvious. Right? So the works of the flesh, they're evident, they're obvious. So there are no excuse on why we can look the other way. If someone who's a Christian, and they're doing these works of the flesh... <laughs> We're going to see what happens. Alright. So the works of the flesh, they're evident. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, 
jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. This means they're not the only ones. There are others working of the flesh, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit what? The kingdom of God. Right? But we see people in church over and over, and we just welcome them in, and not that they can't come in, but we're, we're, we're catering and watering down the gospel message, and we're watching them as they leave church again, knowing that they're on their way to hell, and we're looking the other way. Because the scriptures are obvious here. So, one word I do want to look up is uncleanness. So, just looking at the, the surface of the Greek word there, uncleanness is, it, 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 would, it would actually include a lot, pretty much all this here. You know, sexual sins and things like that. But, and when you look deeper at the word, it also means profligate living. And I'm sure most of us don't know what that is, because I didn't know what it was. I've heard the word, but I didn't know what it was. So, basically, luxurious living. Is uncleanness. Right? It also means reckless, excessive, wasteful, spendthrift. Spendthrift means spending money in an extravagant way. Oh, I gotta get that plane to travel overseas because I can't find a commercial. There is a there is a television evangelist that said that because he didn't want to be around. He said he had to fly above the demons. He couldn't be around other people. But, yeah. but aren't we supposed to be around people? <coughs> so he had to have a private plane. So he can be by himself. Is that kingdom? No. That's right. That is working of the flesh. Right? That that is again, like I said last week, instead of being the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of self. Excessive. The $1.8 million house that I talked about, what I think it was last week, right? That the pastor had. You know, that that that's excessive. That's excessive. That that's that's the workings of the flesh. That's not the spirit, right? And when you think about it, when you think about the early church, how they met in houses. Their houses were not even half this, the size of this house. But yet they met and had a Holy Ghost time. Amen. Why? Because their hearts were right. Amen. That's right. Their hearts was right. And they wanted, it wasn't about trying to get something. It wasn't about trying to get materialistic things. And if we're seeking those things, then we're wrong. Right? Because we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be seeking. Not the place itself, but the king. Amen. Right? We're supposed to be seeking him. Jesus. But we're, we're, we're seeking self. And we're being selfish in things. Help us, God. Amen. Yes. Help us. Help us. Uh, Matthew 21. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. So again, bearing the fruits. If you're walking out the kingdom of God, you should be bearing fruit. Jesus said, How will we know other believers? By their fruit. Not by their gifts, 
Not by their materialistic wealth. Not how big the church is or how small the church is. Not how well they dress. But by their fruit. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will, it will grind him to power. So whoever falls on the stone will be broken, will be humbled. Will be humbled. And, and that's how we have to be. We, we have to have a humble heart. We have to have a humble heart. Alright, so Mark, let's go back to... Well, hold on. Hold on. Uh, Matthew 12. Matthew 12. Matthew 12. Verse 30. Therefore I say to you, oh, I'm sorry. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So Jesus makes a plan. If you are not with them, you are against them. Again, there is no middle ground. No middle ground. Let's go down to verse 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Not just somebody who calls himself a Christian. Who does the will of my Father? Right? So doing the will of his Father, that's what Jesus did. That's what we're to do. His will. And we have to abide in him in order to bear fruit. And once again, if we're not bearing fruit, you're not saved. It is what it is. Right? That's not my words. That's, that's, that's the Bible words. Right? So we become tolerant in the church today. We become tolerant of those. So now we want to play, have funny games in, in church and things like that. Pass the ball around in church, laugh, joke around. We also want to imitate the world again. Right? Having parties, bringing the music, dancing, dressing up. These are things that the church is doing. And we're mimicking the world. And that shouldn't be. That's not kingdom. That's again, that's the kingdom of self. That's right. That, that's of the devil. That's not of God. So, let's find out what happened when the church tolerated uh, someone. Go to Revelation chapter 2. I wasn't sure if I was going to read this. So, um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. So, this is Jesus speaking. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Now, how many of us know that this will be a good church? Hmm. This will be a good church in America today. But let's see what Jesus has an issue with. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their, de of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now, to you, I say, and to the rest in Diatra, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes 
and keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. So what is Jezebel? Jezebel was somebody we know, right? Who was married to Ahab. What did she do? She introduced the worship of Baal into Israel with the worship of God. That's what we're seeing in the American church today. We're seeing the, the world, the idolatry of the world coming into the church today. But on the surface, we would think that this church is good. And we have churches like that. They're out there. They're doing some of these things. They're doing the good of it. But they're also introducing the doctrine of Satan into the church, into the Christians, into the believers. And people are going straight to hell. Amen. What does Paul say in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6? Not to be unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. Right? But yet we have churches becoming unequally yoked. Right? All for the sake of becoming a star. Hmm. To becoming a celebrity. Right? You know, and that's not what it's about. Right? Not, not to say that God can't use you that way, mm -hmm. right? but we're, we're, we're seeing emulation. We're seeing emulation in the body of Christ mm -hmm. because everybody wants to be that mega pastor, that mega church. Everybody wants to have it, but you know what? It's like every time, I, like I said, every time they got so close to Jesus, you know, they would want to make him king forcefully. Why? Because they were led by their flesh. But like we talked about before, the greatest enemy Jesus had to fight was his own flesh. So he got away from them. It wasn't about him being a star. <laughs> Jesus didn't glorify himself. Mm -hmm. He was humble. Paul didn't glorify himself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at Paul, when you look at 1 Corinthians, that was a church that allowed the worldliness to come inside. And he will write pretty harsh to them. Alright, let's go back to uh, Mark chapter 4. So, when reading these parables on the soul, we should seek to understand how our heart is. Don't think for a minute this focuses on the unbeliever in the first three illustrations because these are people that go to church. And I'll show you why. So we have multiple ways we can respond to the word of God. Let's look Alright, so he's got here verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, how many times we also seen, yes, this will apply to an unbeliever, right? So, and it can also apply to somebody that's in the church because we have Christians that don't even believe in the kingdom, in the spiritual kingdom. We have Christians that don't believe in miracles. Christians with quotes. <laughs> so, you know, Immediately, Satan comes. So we talk about a lot of times how we, we, we witness to somebody and that seed is dropped. But we see here, that's not always the case. Because Jesus himself says, Satan immediately comes. So if somebody comes and gives us something in our hand and immediately takes away, we no longer have it. 
Mm. Right? So it's not growing. Yeah. So it's not all the time that that seed is going to be is going to be planted in someone. Mm -hmm. That's an easy one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Immediately they receive it with gladness. That's a good thing, right? Mm. Alright, that is. <laughs> and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Alright, I'm going to go to... Uh, Y'all stay there. I'm going to go to Mark. So they received the word with gladness. Somebody else received the word with gladness. Mark chapter 6, verse 20. For, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. But yet we got people in church and then we get happy because they receive the word in gladness. But what happens? They stumble. Right? They stumble. They fall. As soon as persecution hit. Why? Because they have no root. Alright, so that was stony ground, right? Alright, so stony ground. The word gets sown and received with gladness, but they stumble. Alright, so they endure. So the word Greek there for endure means they agree. They agree. They accept it. They hear the word and they agree. And they receive it with joy. Then what happens? Tribulation comes. So tribulation is oppressing. Being oppressed by unjust treatment. Persecution comes. Persecution means to make to make to run or flee, to pursue in a hostile manner or be mistreated. To stumble, a hindrance or obstruction. So really, the word becomes a stumbling block. It becomes an obstruction to them. So, are they truly saved? So somebody like that, think about this now. We talked about the persecution of the early church. Can someone like this go into a den of alliance? Hmm. Can someone like this get stoned? Because they have no root. They have no fruit. So if they bear no root, they're not rooted, they've not, they're not bearing any fruit, they're not rooted in Christ. So it becomes what? Head knowledge. That's right. Let's go to the thorns. Now these, verse 18, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. So if it's unfruitful, guess what? They're not saved. They are not saved. And once again, we see this. right? <laughs> we see this. So they hear the word, they understand the word, then the cares of this world Right here, this actually means anxiety comes. Anxiety. Anxiety of things of the world comes upon them and chokes the word out. Deceitfulness. Delusion of wealth and abundance. Right? I want that. I want what that person has. I, I have to have that. I need that. We don't need anything but Jesus Christ. Right? We got, we, we, you know, for a long time, especially... Probably not as big now as it was years ago with a huge prosperity. Everybody wanted to be a millionaire. 
you know, if you can't even budget what you have, how are you going to budget a million dollars? You know, what are you, what, what you going to do with it? Uh, are you, you know, if you're not giving now, you're not going to give when you have a million dollars, ten million dollars. Because it's a matter of the heart. So, does, it doesn't matter how much money you have. The way you are now without money is the way you are going to be, is the way your heart's going to be with money, without Christ. So this all suffocates the word out of the person. The concern for spiritual things become choked out by material things. So, Christians can come in the midst of the first three here, if we're not careful. And the thing about it, category two and category three shows growth. And a lot of churches would be happy with that growth. But only one bears fruit. Only one bears fruit. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. So, understand, as Christians, you know, we all going to have different talents, different gifts, right? We may not all be on the same, same, same giftings, I say, same gifting levels, I should say. But we're all going to grow. Right? We're all going to grow either 30, 60, or 100 fold. Right? Because, you know, one thing Jesus says is this. He says in uh, John chapter 15 that we should bear much fruit. Much fruit. That is the evidence of someone being saved and born again. Right? Let's stop making excuses for people who claiming to be Christians and claiming to walk the walk, but they're doing other things. I, I tell you now, they, they know how I am. I had a couple people. I don't think I shared this before. At my job, asked me, "Can we can we come sing at your church?" No. <laughs> I, I, I invited them here, but you're not singing. You're not speaking. Amen. I have somebody that offered to come and sing, and I know he will bring people. He's got a following, huge following. I know he will bring people. He ain't coming here. Amen. To sing. <laughs> not not to sing. He come here to sit, but he ain't coming to sing. Amen. You're not bearing fruit. Jesus. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what you say, how many people elevate you, things like that. I know you by your fruit. Mm. I know you by your fruit. Amen. That is a true Christian. We, we have to know each other by our fruit. doesn't matter what somebody says. So we wonder sometimes why people can be saved and why they can be behaving a certain way. is because there's no fruit. There's no, there's no root in them. Mm. There's no root in them. And, and they're, they're sadly mistaken. Right? And, and, you know, they're thinking they're going, and they're not going anywhere. Jesus will return. But we have to stop making excuses, you know. Not to put them on the spot, but I told my kids, I said, you know, my son, my daughter's your other age of accountability. I will pray for you. I'll pray with you. I'll read the word with you. But you are the age of accountability. So it's on you to carry your relationship. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to say, see, part of the cares of the world, we get caught up even in the midst of people on our jobs, our friends, our family members. And see, the devil knows that. He will use our family to bring us down. Because we, we try so hard to get them saved. I can tell you now, God forbid they're not saved. My dad's not saved. I'll, 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 share, I'll share the love of Christ with him. I'll witness to him. But he knows I'm only going so far with him. If he chooses to go his way, then go ahead and go. 
I don't make exceptions for anybody. Right? So, yeah, yeah, I think my, my family know that about me by now. So, you know, those that want to do right and get right, yes, absolutely. You know, we're, we're to love them. We're to be patient with them. But like I said before, you know, if it comes a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, <laughs> you know, at some point, you got to want to do right. You, you, you have to want to do right. And we have to stop making excuses and thinking people are saved. And we say, well, how do we know somebody saved? We don't know that. Jesus said it plain. By their fruit. By their fruit. If they're out there acting worldly, and I pray none of you all are. I don't think you are. But if they're out there acting worldly, then they have corrupt, evil fruit. And it is what it is. We don't have to tell them. You know, we will, we will pray for them, you know, but we can't compromise because it's just like trying to save someone that's drowning. They will bring you down. Family members will bring you down, especially the devil will use them to wear you out. And we have to be careful. We have to use wisdom in that. And even not just family members, but close friends as well. Co-workers, we have to be careful with that because they will wear you out. And that's when, and see, we get yoked up because really the family is a care, a care of this life. It's a care of this world. Really, because think about it. Even, you know, we know we always pray for our unsafe family members here. But God forbid they pass away, they're not saved, we go to heaven. We're not going to remember them. We're not going to remember them. Because he said he's going to wipe away all the tears. We're not going to remember. But you go down to hell, you're going to remember a lot. That's right. Mm. I had this opportunity. Give me one more chance. So, the time for games, especially in these times, are over with. Um, hopefully I wasn't too hard. <laughs> <laughs> in our heart. Jesus. You know, because a, a demon will use you up mm. until they're done. You know, spit you out. Oh, and that's oh when God. people usually go and kill themselves. Jesus. That's true. Mm -hmm. It is. Jesus. And it's unfortunate. And then we're watching people bound over and over. And here we got demon-possessed people coming in church. Mm-hmm. And they're leaving that. Now, it's up to them. Yeah. It's up to them. There's only so much we can do. Amen. You know. Amen. But people need to be set free. That's what Jesus did. Yes. That's what Jesus did. Amen. So I'll read this, and then I'll, I'm going to close it out. All right. So just as the seed cannot take root on the trample and hardened path, God's word is rejected by people having hearts hardened by pride and hatred. Mm. Just as the seed that falls on shallow soil wilts in the sun, some people have shallow faith. They are enthusiastic about God's word until it becomes inconvenient or makes demands on them. Then they fall away. We saw this with the disciples with Jesus. It became inconvenient for them. Jesus. Just as the seed that falls among thorns is crowded out, God's word can be crowded out by worries and pursuit of wealth. Hmm. Yeah. 
Just as the seed that falls on good soil yields a bountiful crop, God's word is fruitful in people who listen, understand, and obey. The kingdom of God yields great results in and through these people. So our hearts have to be right. Our hearts have to be right. You know, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. No. So what I'm talking about is consistency. That's the key. Doesn't mean, you know, we may not have a moment where we get upset with somebody, things like that. I'm talking about a walk of consistency. That's the difference. Right? That's not practicing something. We know, for those of us that play sports or been in bands or things like that, you practice. You practice. So if you're sitting up here practicing things of the world, things of the flesh, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But if you had that moment, like I said, you get caught up, you get angry at somebody, yeah. repent, ask for forgiveness, and move on. Yes. Amen. Amen. Right? Because we will be tried. Yes. We will be tried. I was yes. tried this week at work. Right? Yeah. And it became a point of, do I respond out of my flesh? And, and actually, Steve hit it on the button Wednesday. It, it was a test of humility for me. And I, and I knew that. Mm. I, I knew it when it happened. It was a test of humility. Mm. Because I would have been right if I came back and said something. But it was a test of humility because I didn't have to say anything. Mm. And, I, you know, it wasn't a point of that God didn't want me to say anything or that I would have been wrong for saying something. But if I would have said something, it was just a, would have been just to appease my flesh at that point because I mm. had to be right. That's yeah. all it was. Yeah. 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 Which would be wrong. <laughs> Amen. All right, so let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, 